You know, as I was sitting here and we we're worshiping and we we're praying for people up here, and I stood in the back for a little bit and I was looking at different people that are here. We got people that have brand new babies that are here. And we got people who are dealing with life change. And we got new people here who this is their first time at church, maybe a long time. And you're, you're kind of wondering what in the world is going on here. These people are raising their hands and they're clapping and cheering and shouting. What's going on? My prayer for you today is if you're new here, that um, you'll just see Jesus today. And maybe it's not my words, but maybe I'll point you to something. And, and wherever you're at today, whatever life has brought you today, why you're here, God is going to meet you. I'm excited about that. And that's been my prayer all morning, that, that you, would, you would get a sense of, of Jesus today. We're finishing our series on the fourfold gospel. It's depicted in the logo of our denomination. Now, this is the first time you've seen these three pieces on this globe together. Isn't that just beautiful? I just love it. Came in this morning, the first time I saw it all together there. This is a logo that depicts the Christian Missionary Alliance. And I'm sorry for you guys that are over there. I'll move out of the way once in a while so you can see it. But more importantly, it's the foundation of my faith. Because my faith isn't about the Christian Missionary Alliance. My faith is about Jesus Christ. And that's what we preach here at Gateway Church, and that's what I want you to get out of this logo. And the cross in the center represents Jesus as Savior. And He saved me from my sins, and He offered me eternal life with Him in heaven And for that, I'm eternally grateful. But he's continually saving me daily. It's not a one-time act. You see, I need salvation from the things that I struggle with. Fears in my life, my will, my bad decisions, the things in my mind that I struggle with daily, the fears that haunt maybe you. Maybe you could fill in the blank here. The negative feelings that you wrestle with. The fear of being inadequate or not measuring up. I don't know what it is you're dealing with today. Jesus offers salvation, not only for your soul, but daily for the things that you're struggling with. Remember that. And then the cup, the red cup, represents Jesus as sanctifier. When he left this earth, he sent the Holy Spirit so that we could become sanctified. Set apart, holy. God has called us to be set apart from sin. And that's what sanctification means. It's an ongoing process, and that cup is representative of us and our desire to have the Holy Spirit fill us so much that we are splashing out. I want to run my life, my Christian life, in such a way that I am splashing Jesus all over everybody all the time. That that's what they see is Jesus when they see me. They don't see the imperfections in me. They don't see the struggles that I have in life. They don't see the imperfections that I portray in this world because I don't get it right. I'm imperfect. I make mistakes all the time. I'm constantly asking for forgiveness from people. That's okay. But I want Jesus to fill me with those voids and not myself. And that's what it means to be sanctified, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus as our healer represented by this picture. And we believe in healing. That's why I prayed for Katie to be healed. I believe Jesus could heal her right here, right now, as I said those words. Yet we struggle, right? We struggle with that because we don't see him heal all the time. He's not a robot God where we just plug in the right prayer and then all of a sudden everybody's healed, right? But that's not us. I'm not God. God is God. I am called to pray and leave the results to him. So we pray because Jesus is our healer. Isaiah chapter 53 says, by his stripes we are healed. He came to fulfill that prophecy so that we have healing through him. That is represented by the picture. The round backdrop that all these pieces are on has a globe theme to it, and it symbolizes missions. We have someone here today who goes halfway around the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else in a different language, in a different culture. Last week I was at a funeral of a 92-year-old gentleman who was my senior pastor when I was in Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, he was living here in town in Andover, and he got a stroke a few weeks ago, and he passed away, and they did a memorial service for him on Wednesday, and I was invited to come. And Very interesting service. When they talked about the things that he'd done in his life and how he had loved Jesus his whole life, he, uh, they shared a little clip in there of about six years ago, so he would have been 86 years old, preaching at his wife's funeral. And he shared that if he had to do his life over again, he'd do the same thing. And he, in 1955, went to a war-torn country called Vietnam and served from 1955 to 1975. And then from 1976 to 1988, he went to New Zealand and got switched to another mission field. Right there. Learned the language. Learned Vietnamese. He asked the Alliance, please don't make me learn another language when I'm late in life. They sent him to New Zealand, where they speak English anyhow. And you might think, oh, that's awesome. You know, he served the Lord of his life, and he was a missionary, and he got to live in other parts of the world, and Isn't that really cool and that's awesome that his life was filled with that way? But his life wasn't easy. They were in language school learning the language and his wife had a baby and 10 days later that baby passed away. Now I don't know what that would do to your world, but it probably rocked their world. And they probably had thoughts of, man, is this where God's called us? Maybe we should go home. Rally the troops. But they went forward. And they went not only to a safe country, but to Vietnam. And in 1975, the Marines came to his house and said, you got to leave now. Get a suitcase, you have minutes, and you have to be out of here. Some of his colleagues were killed for their faith in Vietnam while he was there. Some of his colleagues that I met last week were prisoners of war in Vietnam. They weren't soldiers. They were there sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to serve around the world. It's not always easy. Sometimes you suffer in your health, but they do it for Jesus. That's a part of who we are as an alliance. It's a part of what we need to do as Christians. And it feeds so well into 
the last piece of our logo, the fourth part of the fourfold gospel. Jesus Christ is coming King. And um, as I was going through my message and my assistant, Brittany Gilquist, helps me with these things, and she sees my notes, and she sees the Scripture I'm using, and she threw something at me this week, and I laughed because some of you are going to get this, and some of you are going to go, hmm, I have no clue what that is. And I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody today. But I'm guessing people over 40, 45 are not going to get this. Everybody under it are going to get it. All the kids are getting it, right? Those of you who don't get it, don't worry, I'll tell you. Just wanted to let it sink in a little bit. YOLO stands for, this is in texting, okay? You only live once. LOL. We all know that one, right? Laugh out loud. JK, just kidding. BRB, be right back. Jesus Christ. Jesus is our coming king. In modern day terms, he might send a text like that just to mess with us a little bit. And it's okay if you didn't know that. That's okay. I thought that was fun. I laughed so loud. I said, Brittany, I got to use that. She's like, okay, I'll make it for you. She's a good kid. The crown represents Jesus Christ as coming king. Jesus left the earth and was taken into heaven in a most miraculous way. And I'm going to read to you a couple of passages of Scripture to show you this. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. It says, After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Wow, can you imagine that? You're standing there talking with Jesus, and he's gone. Luke chapter 24, verse 50 says, And Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And then it says he was taken up into heaven while he was blessing them. And Mark, the end of Mark, it says, When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. The crown here today represents Christ's royalty as King of Kings. You see, when Jesus came here initially and the disciples were with him, they wanted him to set up an earthly kingdom right now, right? They were excited about him being king. They were arguing who's going to sit on his right, who's going to sit on his left. And they were really disappointed when he died and was buried, came back to life, but still didn't establish his kingdom. And they're standing there, and he gets taken up into heaven. And they're like, hey, wait a second. I thought you were the king. I thought you were going to set up a, I thought you were going to set up a kingdom here on this earth. But God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom is bigger than just a piece of this earth. His kingdom is bigger than a nation, like the nation of Israel. His kingdom is bigger than everything he's created. And for him to be king of kings and Lord of lords, and ruler over everything, he has to be Lord of it all. 
I want to give you some biblical basis for Jesus and his return to earth because it's real. He's coming again. He said it. You saw those passages of Scripture. But he's coming back. And then I want to leave you with a challenge today because I always ask this question. So what? Okay, Jesus is coming king. He's coming back again. What does that have to do with me today? We're going to get real practical with that today. And we're going to talk about how that should impact our lives. So, Jesus is coming. Mark chapter 14, verse 62 said, Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power, God's right hand, and coming on the clouds of heaven. You're going to see him. If you're alive when Jesus returns, you will see him come. Acts chapter 1, verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Remember we read a couple of verses before that. Jesus left and they were like, Where'd he go? I thought he was going to stay here. Jesus had been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And Revelation 1, verse 7 says, Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes. Amen. Interesting that when we sinned, when Adam sinned on this earth, there was a curse. And there was a curse on man, and there was a curse on woman, and there was a curse on the earth. And Romans 8 says... All creation was subjected to that curse. But with eager hope, the creation, not just you and I, but creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Wow. Lots of people want to look at current events today. And they want to try to use them to predict when Jesus is coming. They see fulfillment in prophecy, and they go, oh, you see, this is, this is another fulfillment of prophecy, so therefore this is going to happen next, and Jesus is going to come then. And they try to tell you about current events and relate them to the Bible and say this is going to happen now because this happened. And this has to happen because that happened. Be careful. Be careful with people who want to tell you when I was a youth pastor, I went through a little booklet with my kids, the 88 reasons why Jesus is going to return in 1988. It's 2018. Where did the writer of that little pamphlet go? I don't know. This is what Jesus said. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you or me to know. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8-10. through 10. But you must not forget the one, this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise to come again, as you might think. No, He's being patient for your sake. Why is He being patient? Because He is not willing that anyone should perish. You see, Satan and his angels are in hell. 
But hell was created for Satan and his angels, not for you and I. And God is not willing that any should perish. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. When I went to bed last night, and the windows were open, and it was beautiful, and I didn't think a robber was coming into my house. Right? How many of us go to bed thinking, well, somebody's going to rob us tonight? No, you'd never fall asleep. In the same way, Jesus is coming again. You're not going to know. But he is coming. He said it over and over again. I've showed you many passages. And it's been 2,000 years since Christ left the earth. And we think, boy, that's a long time. I just read to you a thousand days is like, a thousand years is like a day to God, right? So if you take it literally, it's been two days. Now, I don't take it literally, okay? But God is outside of time. He's not bound by time. He created time. What do we do with this stuff? What do we do with this information that Jesus is coming again? And it says it's going to happen soon. We're going to get to that. The whole focus in the New Testament's teaching about the return of Christ can be summed up in two propositions. Number one, because Christ is coming, we need to be ready. We need to be living lives that are pure, steadfast, prayerful, holy, and reverent. You better be ready. That doesn't mean that you change what you're doing. If you go to work tomorrow morning and you somehow somebody told you Jesus is coming tomorrow, you better still go to work. Because that's what God's called you to do. Whatever work it is that you're supposed to do. Amy, if you're supposed to go to the bank tomorrow morning, go to the bank. But if Jesus is coming and you're doing whatever, Don't change your life because Jesus is coming and, and think that you now all of a sudden have to do something different. You need to do that every day. Not just because he's coming tomorrow, so I better change what I'm doing. No, you need to do what God's called you to do every day. The second thing about the teaching of Jesus Christ that can be summed up, first of all, you've got to be ready. And secondly... Because he is coming, we need to finish the task he's given us to do. When he left and went to heaven, and I read those passages to you, what did he tell the disciples? Go and make disciples. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. Share the good news of what I've done on the cross with everyone. Whether you're at the bank, or you're at your job, or you're on your way to your job, or you're taking care of your kids. Whatever it is, we better be about the task of preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. When I was a kid, I don't know if you guys ever dealt with this. Maybe I'm just really weird. But I used to be like playing in the basement in my house, and, and all of a sudden I'd be like, Mom? And I wouldn't hear my mom. And I would hear like nobody else in the house. And I got this like, oh, what if Jesus came? And I'm left behind. 
And I would run upstairs, and I'd be like, Mom, where? And I'd find somebody. I'm like, oh, I know that they're a Christian. They're going to heaven, so I'm okay. <laughs> I watched them stupid movies, you know, like Thief in the Night. And, you know, there were old movies that Salvation Army used to play, and it would scare you to death. Like, man, I don't want to be left behind. You laugh, so you probably thought the same thing. I was scared at times. Lots of speculation over current events. People trying to fit him into the Bible, saying Jesus is coming in 1988 or 2018 or 2020. Or you, I don't know. I don't have time for those discussions. But Jesus is coming, and it's important. And I think this message is timely for Gateway Church because we're going through a rough season right now. We lost the pastor of 30-plus years of our church. He felt God call him to move on. He still doesn't have an answer, I don't think, from God, but he is moving in the way that God has called him to go. And that's been a difficult process for us here. And our finances have slipped the Gateway Church to the point that the board had to make a really, really difficult situation and a decision and Pastor Nathan's position is being eliminated because of that. And it doesn't make sense to us. And Pastor Tom, or Tom Tucky, one of our elders, stood up here and he says, we're in the process of finding a new leader, a senior pastor here at Gateway Church. And there's a lot of unknown at Gateway right now. And I want to thank you for being here this morning because that unknownness is not an excuse to walk away from Jesus Christ. Amen. Nor is it an excuse to walk away from Gateway Church. Amen. I know this. I know that Jesus is coming. I don't know what's going to happen to Pastor Nathan and Becky and his family. I don't know where God's going to take them. I don't know where God's going to take Pastor Paul. I don't know where God's going to take me. But I do know that Jesus is coming. And i got to be about that. And we as a church have to be about that. we got to take that same truth that Jesus is coming and finish the task that Jesus has set before us. I believe heaven is real. I believe that Jesus, my Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King has created a place for me in heaven. And I believe heaven is real. But I also believe hell is real. And that's a place that nobody wants to go. And nobody wants to experience. But I don't have to stand up here and preach hellfire and brimstone to scare people out of hell and into heaven. My job is to share with them the good news. That Jesus did die for their sins. That there is hope in this world. That if they come to church alongside of me, they're going to hear hope. And as I sat here and I looked at people all over this auditorium, and, and you're all dealing with different things. But we have a hope. You have to believe that. You have to stand on that. That is all we have. Is that hope that Jesus Christ is coming again. And we're going to get to be in heaven 
But some people haven't heard that. Some people don't believe it, and they're going to hell. Our job is to do everything in our power to help them not go there. Gateway Church is made up of individuals. Yeah, we have a building, but it's made up of you and I, and we need to be about inviting those lost people into a relationship with ourselves, but more importantly, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The pastor can't do it. The leaders of the church can't do it. We all have to do it. If you grab the front of your worship bulletin this morning and you look at the front of it, it says, first and foremost, we desire to win. What does that mean, win? Win a game? Win a prize? No. We desire to win the lost. Because that's what Jesus told us to do. Jesus came and told his disciples in Matthew 28, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. These are some of the final words that Jesus spoke to us. His commission to us is to go into the whole world and preach the gospel. God ordained the church. We need to work together. Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I'm going to build my church. The church is a necessary and important part of God's plan. Don't forget that. I'm going to get a little personal here, okay? I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I want to be very specific very specific about what I desire for Gateway Church. Um, this is my last message in this series. This is my last message. I'm going to preach to you because we're going through this formal search process as a church. And this is a good thing. But I wrestled with that this week because I really enjoyed this. I love studying, and I love bringing practical application to you, that when you walk out those doors, you have something to take with you for that week, and you can use it in your life. It's not just, yeah, Jesus is coming king, but what do I do with this? What do I do with this crown? And so because this might be the last time I'm up in front of you for a while, I want you to get this right. I'm still the executive pastor here. I'll still be here. I'll be in the office, still ministering to the body, still leading ministries and providing leadership to the staff. But I'm not going to be standing up here speaking to you corporately. So I want you to listen. Gateway the church, gateway the people, gateway the ministry, gateway the leadership, gateway the search committee. We got to get this right.
we got to be about winning the lost for Jesus. You see all the seats that are next to you that there's nobody sitting there? There's people in Elk River that don't know Jesus as their Savior. They need to be in those seats. I'm not talking somebody who goes to another church that you like and you want them to come to your church. Gateway doesn't need those people. We need messed up people who don't know Jesus to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is going to build his church. That's how his kingdom grows. It's not enough to pray a prayer with somebody and hope that they grow in their faith. They need to be involved in a church. Because that's who God ordained. we got to get this right. We want to see Gateway become significant in the kingdom, we got, about, we got to be about winning lost people. If you look on that Bible app that Tom talked about this morning, and I just love that thing because there's so much information I can give you there that I can't, I can't give you on a Sunday morning. There's some links there. And one of those links is the core principles of the Christian Missionary Alliance. That's the first core principle of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. You go on their website, there are core principles. The very first one is lost people matter to God, and He wants them found. Lost people matter to Gateway Church, and we want them found. Lost people matter to God, and He wants them found. I'm going to give you some statistics that are going to scare you a little bit, but I want it to motivate you as we move forward as a church. Barna did some research. The lost, unreached people in America. This is the United States of America. This isn't some other country around the world. If you took everybody in the United States of America that do not know Jesus as their Savior, and you combined them and you added them up, it would be the eighth largest country in the world. You think we got a mission field in our neighborhood? You better believe we do. You got an empty seat next to you? There's a lost person that needs to sit there. And you know them. You rub shoulders with them every day. You talk to them every day. You work alongside them. You buy your coffee from them. Invite them to church. They need to hear the good news that Jesus is coming because if they are not ready, you don't want to know where they're going. 2nd statistic from Barna. In the past decade, the last 10 years, from 2008 to 2018, more people in the United States have become churchless. Like they quit going to church. More people in the United States than in all of Canada and Australia. Do you think we're growing as a church in the United States of America? Why? Does Jesus as coming King have a significant factor in your life? This isn't just good information. People are dying and going to hell. They're saying, I've had enough of church. You can have it. 
It's not relevant. doesn't make any sense to me. I'm going golfing. Here's another statistic. All those people that have left church in the past 10 years, they've been to church. Your neighbors, your coworkers, the people that you rub shoulders with, they've been to church. It's not new to them. But they've walked away. Gateway Church has got to become a church that is relevant to those people that you bring in these doors. We have to be about winning the loss for Christ. Because if we're not, then we'll just have a country club. God's business is about lost people. And lost people matter to God. How's business? We got to get this right, folks. Whatever happens over the next couple of months, we got to get this right. We got to do everything in our power to create an environment where lost people can find Jesus. Don't point the finger at anyone else or any ministry unless you're willing to help them find Jesus. Every ministry in this church must be about the mission of lost people. Because if you do the mission first, you'll always have ministry. But do the ministry first, you'll never have time for the mission. So, Jesus Christ as coming King. It's important. But it's important not just because it's good theology, but it's important because lost people matter to God. And He's coming again. And the last mandate he gave us was to go and make disciples of all nations. I want to thank some of the guys that helped me make this logo. Some of them are here this morning. Um, Don Stoffer. And if you guys are here, will you just stand up? Don is here, I know. Um, Robert App. I grabbed these two guys, Don Stoffer and Robert App. Robert's probably nursing this morning somewhere, this Lynette. And I said, hey, I want to build this logo. Will you guys help me? And, uh, and they're like, yeah, let's talk about it. And so when I started sharing with it, Don right away called his friend Corey, Corey Friesen, and he said, we need a graphic artist. We need somebody that can go from my mind and their minds to paper to something actual. And Doug Gilquist was a part of that. I don't see Doug here this morning. Mitch Thompson, my future son-in-law, was there. Uh, he's off doing his bachelor party this weekend. I was with them Friday and Saturday. I had to come home to preach here this morning, but those guys helped me build this logo, and they got a whole lot more than what they bargained for, because we started this well before Easter. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. But I wanted to do this because I wanted to remind you of who we are as a church but what we're about as a church. And we're about Jesus Christ. And Jesus saves us. Jesus sanctifies us. Jesus heals us. And Jesus is our coming King. 
And when you see this hanging in our lobby, don't just go, oh, that's a nice piece of artwork. You know, that's the logo for our denomination. May it be a reminder to you of what our mandate is. That lost people matter to God and He wants them found. And we need to share the good news of this whole thing with our world. So that's the logo in completion. That's the fourfold gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who Gateway Church is all about. Let me pray. Lord, thank You for the power that You give us. The power that You put in our hands to invite people to have a personal relationship with You. Lord, that's an awesome responsibility that we don't take lightly. And Lord, we're asking You right now that You fill the seats in this church and that You fill them two and three times a week. Because there's so many lost people that don't know that Jesus is coming. And it's coming soon. Lord, help us to be bold in our faith. Help us to be constantly searching for that person that we need to share the good news of Jesus with. So that they can know you in a personal way. Thank you for the opportunity for this church to to go through the situations that we're going through right now, Lord, may it cause us to turn our eyes to You. We say that we're going to pray, Lord, make us pray. Cause us to fall on our knees and to seek Your face and to seek Your will and to do what You've called us to do. Lord, help us to live this out every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.